For episode one of the Fairly Lame podcast, we are joined by Athena from Outland Denim, one of Australia, if not the world's most sustainable and ethical clothing brands. Absolutely love what they stand for. A plus on the World Baptist Aid, Baptist World Aid Ethical Fashion Report since 2019. That's the highest mark you can get. Only four companies in all of Australia get an A plus, and then five out of five on the Good On You directory. Hope you guys enjoyed the video. Head over to TikTok or Instagram to let me know what other companies you want me to interview. Well, I'm Athena. I'm Outland Denim's Marketing Communications Manager. And I've been with Outland um, for about five and a half years now. So um, almost since we launched in Australia. Um, and a little bit about the history of Outland. It's a very unconventional um history uh so basically it was founded by james james bartle and his wife erica uh and they're locals to tambourine mountain in queensland which is where our headquarters is um which is a very weird place for a fashion label to be but that's okay because we just do we do things a bit differently so it's all good (laughs) (laughs) and so basically The main motivator for Outland was that James and Erica were really passionate about doing something to combat modern slavery and um, human trafficking. To give you a bit of an idea, human trafficking is a $150 billion, US billion dollar industry. Um, Yes, and so, and and modern slavery affects um, 40, I think it's 40.3 million people around the world and absolutely no continent is untouched. So it exists really everywhere. So after a really long research period um, and consulting with a lot of NGOs and experts in the field, what they really learnt is that once, um, say, an NGO working in anti-trafficking supports someone out of this exploitation, securing stable work for them is really key to making sure that they don't um, end up in that same position again. And so um, basically the thought process was what is a product that people continue to buy year after year, something that we always want is denim. So that's where um, Outland was created um and we provide opportunity to to people who might not receive it otherwise um to people who come from backgrounds of vulnerability and and these exploitive backgrounds or people who are are potentially vulnerable to that Um, our program also includes education because a lot of our team members Um, either didn't have the opportunity to go to school or had to stop their studies early. Um, And it also includes career progression. Some of our earliest team members are now the leaders of their department. Uh, It also includes a library and a medical centre at both of our facilities in Cambodia that um, our team and their families are welcome to use. 
Yeah, so how do you guys find the employees in Cambodia, which, as you've stated, some have come from pretty intense backgrounds of exploitation? Yeah, so basically, um, in summary, we work with local NGOs um, who work in the anti-trafficking, anti-modern slavery space. And so what they will do is work to um, remove someone from that situation, um, that exploitation, and basically work with them to to say, okay, well, what do you want your life to look like? What area of employment would you be interested in getting into? What skills do you want to learn? Um, and for a lot of people, that is garment making. Um, so because that, that is um, a large industry there. So um, for those people where there is opportunity in the Outland team, we try to bring them on, on board. And so that's that's the beauty of growth in Outland, that the more people who purchase product, the more demand we have, the more opportunity we then have to um, offer more jobs to people. And so from my understanding, you guys pay a living wage, which is absolutely incredible. Not enough companies do that. How do you guys define a living wage? Because a lot of companies on their website, it can be a bit wishy-washy, like it seems like they might, but looking deeper, they definitely don't. So yeah, what would you define it as? Well, basically a minimum wage is the minimum um, legislated required wage in a local area. A living wage is what is deemed um, to be the wage you need to live comfortably um, and save money in your in your local area. So um, sadly, they're not always the same thing. And um, to give you to give uh, your audience um, a bit of an idea of how prevalent living wage isn't in fashion, um, I think it was common objective that uh, that calculated it's about one in eight people in the world, one in eight uh, working people in the world who rely on the fashion industry in some way for their income and only about 2% of that earn a living wage, which is just mind-blowing. Yeah. Yeah. So the methodology that we use um, is the um, Ankler method and that takes into consideration food, housing, discretionary spending and saving. It also takes into consideration um, what the what wage you would need to live comfortably in a particular local area. Um, and then there's some other things that we take into consideration as well, like the advice of local NGOs and local business leaders. Um, we also take into consideration the number of uh, dependents and the number number of people living in each household because um, that can change a lot culturally in comparison to like what we would have here in Australia. And then we also um, take into consideration, um, yeah, as I say, those local factors. So, of course, you can't um, sort of set um, a wage at a... At, um, at a standard that would potentially cause inflation or something like that. So, um, yeah, there's a lot that goes into the living wage. And so have you ever considered manufacturing your garments in Australia or is it part of, I guess, the appeal and the mission of Outland Denim to support these workers over in Cambodia instead? Yeah, so 
the reason we started in Cambodia is because the uh, NGO we established, that initial relationship was based there. Um, but what we ideally would would love to see, and this is really the long-term vision of Outland, is to prove um, to prove this business model, and and really use it as a blueprint for us and for other businesses as well. We don't gatekeep it at all. That's why we're always talking about it. Um, to really use it to establish in areas all over the world where um, where there may be vulnerable communities. We really want to prove that this is something that, of course, there's going to be cultural differences that need to be tweaked, but we want to prove that this is something that can be moved anywhere. I think largely out of the exploitative nature of fashion recently coming to light um, for us consumers is that a byproduct of that seems to be there's possibly a misconception that made in Australia equals good and ethical and made offshore equals bad. That partially comes out of fashion's exploitative reputation and, and also people um, being concerned for jobs here in Australia, which is totally fair enough. Um, but I think the other thing that we're trying to shift culturally and educate people on is that there is exploitation here in Australia and manufacturing offshore does not necessarily mean unethical, bad, don't go there. Um, it doesn't matter where something was manufactured, it matters if it was made um, made ethically in that that person is being respected, they're working in safe conditions and being paid a living wage and being respected um, and everything like that. And so you guys continue doing amazing stuff, doing the Lord's work, some might say, and your products are completely vegan. How are jeans normally not vegan? Yep, so um, something that a jean will very commonly have is a leather patch um, on the on the back waistband. And so obviously if you're trying to uh, shop for vegan fashion, this is something that you'd be wanting to avoid. It can be a little bit difficult to, to identify um, if a brand uses that or not, particularly if you're shopping online. So we use a Jacron patch instead. So that's a paper product, but we didn't always use that. We did um, previously have uh, leather and the process of going through that change was was quite long term. It was approximately 18 months, I would say. Um, and we tested a lot of different alternatives. But what we found was that the Jacron paper was the best um, in terms of performance. We really didn't want, there's, there's no point in sort of changing something for the betterment of one area. And then, you know, then you've got to throw your, jeans out like more often or purchase them more often um you know we really had to weigh that up so we wanted to make sure that it wasn't going to fall apart in the wash and that and we also wanted to make sure that we chose an alternative that wasn't really in, didn't require a really intensive chemical um or plastic use in its manufacturing so we found that the jacron paper was was the best alternative to leather um, available for us at the moment. So yeah, about 18 months. And, and I guess that just like 
gives your listeners an idea of how long it can take to first trial something, but then also introduce it into into our range. And then another question in regards to the materials. So you guys use polyester. I was under the impression that jeans were just cotton. So what role does polyester play and do you think you'll continue using it into the future? Yeah, so some jeans are just cotton and, and we have some jeans that are just cotton or a mixture of cotton and, and lyocell and recycled cotton, like all natural fibres. But where polyester and elastane come into play is in any of your um, stretch denim jeans. And there's a couple of main major concerns with the use of polyester and elastane. One is that it affects the circularity of the garment and makes it more difficult to uh, recycle the fibres. And then the second is that during the wash process um, at home, um, tiny microplastics release from the garment and then they're in your washing machine and then they um, enter into our waterways. So basically in the short term, what we can do and what we do is reduce the number of stretch jeans that we offer in our range um, and then increase the number of of jeans that we have that just use the natural fibre denim. The reason that we have continued to use polyester and elastane in some of our jeans and the reason that we use virgin polyester instead of recycled is that we've found the alternatives to not meet our standards in terms of performance. And as I mentioned earlier, we really have to weigh up, well, yes, recycled polyester might have some benefits, but are our customers going to have to replace their jeans more often, which there's the risk there of them ending up in landfill. And that may become very expensive for, for everyone um, purchasing new jeans all the time. So there was that element. There's also a lot of research being done into um, natural stretch alternatives. And again, the performance isn't quite there yet um, in terms of the standard that we would like to use, but it's definitely something that we're always keeping our eye on and um, yeah, and always looking into. And so when I've been looking into brands, it seems like there's so many different certifications you can use, whether it's for the materials or the organisation themselves. How do you determine what certification you guys run with? Yeah, there's a, there's a lot to consider in terms of certifications. Um, I guess the main two things is a certification, um, they usually uh, rely a lot on spot audits of of facilities um, and the downfall of spot audits is that it's just a snapshot of how that facility runs at that particular time on that particular day. So not just us, the industry as a whole, we recognise that there's some shortcomings to the use of audits um, and and there needs to be work done in, in working out how can we how can we sort of resolve those those obstacles. So I guess that's one thing that we take into consideration with certifications is that they are really good in terms of helping customers, particularly with all of this greenwashing, um, helping customers really 
really like navigate the good from the greenwashing essentially. Um, but they're they're not always, I guess, perfect. No, no system is because they can be very heavily informed by these spot audits. So that's one side of it. Um, and and so instead, sometimes we try and demonstrate the impact of of our business model, perhaps through alternative methods um, instead of a certification. So, for example, we partnered with the Rights Lab at Nottingham University and they did a study on the Outland business model um, and determined that it uh, results in a, a freedom dividend, which is basically a snowball effect um, of positive impact that impacts individual and then their family and then their wider community so um yeah that's just an example of how alternatively we might go about demonstrating uh, our practices and our impact in, instead of using a certification the other thing to can take into consideration is that certifications um have a uh financial usually like a financial um like membership or something that businesses need to pay for and that they take a lot of time um, to to go through the application process. So that's another thing to for us as a business to do a bit of a cost-benefit analysis of. There is all these certifications out there which are going to be the most valuable to us and the most valuable and relevant to our customers um, because if we tried to go for all of them, our poor impact manager wouldn't have any <laughs> time or, or um, financial resource left to actually go out and do impactful things. So, yeah, there's a lot to consider. Um, that's why we, we love like certifications like B Corp, for example, because it covers so many different industries. It covers all different industries. I think it's really globally recognised um, and their standards are very high, both in environmental and social. So, um, so we love that it covers so many different things. And so for people who love what you guys do, like A plus on the Ethical Fashion Guide since 2019, I think, five out of five on the Good On You directory, certified B Corp, as you said, but they may have some questions regarding the price of your jeans. What you what would you have to say and like what factors go into determining the final price of your products? The main thing is that producing ethically does cost more. Um, the chemicals we use cost more to make sure that they are ones that are safe. Um, same as the dyes and the fabric, the technology and equipment we use, everything does cost more. And of course, you know, paying people a living wage. Um, so that is definitely something also when we produce, when anyone produces at a, a smaller scale um, materials cost more when you're just ordering a smaller amount of materials and doing smaller runs so growth and scale can make things cheaper basically another thing um, is that the industry I guess in more recent times has really we think betrayed us into thinking that say a $30 pair of jeans is normal when when it's really not um and and that's really 
a red flag that a lot of people are being exploited in that in that process and um and also uh, cost per wear when you're purchasing more um high quality products i think that you've got a great video on on cost per per wear a bit of a bit of fashion math um in terms of cost per wear um yes our jeans are are at that sort of entry level premium price point but i'm still you know, rocking my Harriet jeans from 2017 and when you really take care of them, they can last a really long time. Even after all of that, we know that um, our price point isn't going to be for everyone and we're certainly not saying that it should be. No product in the world um, is like that, but there's two things that we really hope to do overall and one is influence other brands at all price points to to practice more ethically so that it can be accessible for everyone and then the second thing is that the people um, who do have the means to purchase a 200 to 250 dollar pair of jeans purchase from us and have that ongoing impact of being able to um, also supply someone with education and career progression and healthcare over another product that doesn't have that kind of um, value and wasn't made in an ethical way. Well, I've got to thank you again for your time. Really informative. Love learning about Outland Denim and one day would love to hear the story, but cannot recommend them enough. Again, five out of five on the Good On You directory. A plus on the Ethical Fashion Guide doing the Lord's work. And yeah, thank you for your time today. Thank you.